Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Sakers Snapshots podcast. I'm your host this evening, Will Pinter, and with me I've got Rich Polly. Hello, mate. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good. Good, thank you. Good. So, um, this episode, um, we're going to talk about how to build around your favourite ship. Maybe not necessarily... um, for in tournament purposes or for competitive just in general how you build around your ship how you build around a, a pilot um a specific pilot uh, or generally how you build in around a, a list maybe it ends up competitive maybe it doesn't who knows so rich how, how, how would you build around one of your favorite ships um i mean the first thing i always think about is and it could be a ship or an upgrade so like recently I've talked a bit about playing with Chopper, um, the the Astromech in Republic. And that was basically, I I looked at that when it first came out, and I thought that seems really good. Like that free jam every turn once you've you've burned the evade charges and stuff just seems like a really good upgrade. And then I was looking at ships that I could put it on, and then I settled on Obi-Wan Kenobi with Sense because, you know, everybody was saying that Sense was good. So I think it's like... For me, it, it's a natural process of looking at something that's interesting or a ship that you like um, and then figuring out how to build that ship out to a way that you're happy with it. And then for me, I tend to look around the internet to look for people flying similar things to get some ideas. There's loads of resources out there that you can use um, to try and put stuff together um, if you are trying to be a bit more competitive. But if you're going for fun, I think you look at your favourite ship or your favourite pilot you know, if that's Jack Porkins, so you can, you know, shout, I can hold it every time you use his ability. <laughs> or if it's Anakin Skywalker, so you can do, you know, spinning's a good trick and prequel memes the entire way through a game or whatever. Um, then whatever else you put on them is fine. And there are some upgrades that are better than other upgrades, and there's some upgrades that are overcosted and undercosted. But a lot of stuff, people write it off, um, and they've never actually tried to play it. So, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, um, advanced sensors is far too expensive to put it on uh, any ship. But then, you know, you see Marcel Manzano killing it at Worlds going 7-0 and in Swiss, putting advanced sensors on Rick O'Lee. And that's just like nobody thought to do that. He's given it a bash and it turns out that it's really good. So I think, yeah, finding a good ship and then building out one ship is my normal approach. And then, like, sticking stuff that I know is half decent with it. And it's like... Uh, a trial and error almost to find a good list is finding one good ship and then mixing it up with some other good stuff as well i mean i mean myself the way, the way i like to look at it is uh, what is a ship's deficit or what is its strong strong points and how do i build on that mm-hmm. so um for instance i mean a real easy one uh, was general grievous when i was looking at a general grievous build uh, he's got obviously his inherent rerolls so and when you're out of arc so you're always going to be looking to go out of arc so that's why the natural progression for me went straight to um outmaneuver you know little synergies like that between the ships um that really really make it that much better um and i try and look for little things like that um and there's a lot of ships things like expert handling so there's ships out there that have got barrel rolls on there and you need to you know, maybe, but they may be red. So you can put expert handling on without 
taking too much away from that ship. If that's that's going to be the best upgrade, then making it a white a white barrel roll improves it massively. Uh, so that that's that's my approach to it. Um, I think I think one of the things that and you've touched on it there with General Grievous is that you have to look at a ship and try and figure out what you're trying to do with it in a list. So you know a ship might be like a tank. So like one of my favourite lists that I've played in second edition is um, that Veni list, and that you know Veni bomber is really really good at soaking damage but you need to give him a lot of stuff for him to be able to do that. You know, he comes in at like 108 or 113 points, so he's an enormous investment. And if you're going to do that, you need to build the rest of the list to maximise that investment. So the version of the list that I was playing, I put M9G8 Droid on one of the other ships to give him re-rolls so that his two attacks were more accurate. And then I put another ship in that had a turret arc to trigger his ability as well as his own arcs triggering his ability to give more coverage um, and then you know you're putting all sorts of other upgrades on him to maximize his power as well um, and what you're talking about Grievous there you're doing that with him as well you know you're looking at what he's good at and then maximizing it and doubling down on it I think there's a fine line to be drawn in this building between looking at something that's really good and then making it even better and that might be at the detriment of putting a better ship in your squad. So one thing that I see quite a lot of is um, like the B-Wing, Braylon Stram. He doesn't need any upgrades at all. Um, so he's a self-sufficient ship who gets double modded attacks, and that's what he does. He's a hyper-accurate cannon of a ship. You know, He's rolling two and a half hits every time or something with his re-rolls and his focus. Um, but then you do see people putting extra upgrades on him. Um, you know, and it's like... Wait a minute, why are you putting, you know, advanced sensors or collision detector or whatever it else else it is on him? Why are you putting all of these things on him? He doesn't need those upgrades and he's really efficient still, even though he's been increased in cost. What you're looking at with ships like him is thinking of ways to take away his weak point. So his weak point is that at the end of every turn he's going to be stressed. So if you can get behind him, um, he's quite easy to take down. So you need to figure out ways around that. And this is where the synergy in this building comes in because obviously he was one of the cornerstones of Rebel Beef and the other one was Leia because Leia gave him the opportunity to turn around when he was stressed um, or the other one was Cassian which took the, the, the stress away allowing him to open up his dial. Um, so, you know, looking at a ship and looking at what it's good at is, is something then you've got to think about if you want to double down on that or you've got to think do I want to keep him cheap and do some other stuff um, to make the list better. It's good that you mentioned synergies there, because uh, I'm seeing a lot more, quite a few more lists interacting with these synergies. One in particular that springs to mind, Jostero uh, with a Kimajila, you know, th- are, things with Are you bombs. talking about Nicholas Godnilson's list that he did well at Worlds with, with the snapshot on Tarani Kulda? Yeah. Um, and all that, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. So and the whole list synergizes together. It's all about like once he, he obviously he started with a base, but then had a look at more and basically synergized the whole list together in order to do damage to trigger other people's abilities. People's abilities like Justero, um, you know, obviously like you're saying, snapshot and things like that. All trying to draw the list into the one ability. Now. Mm-hmm. With synergies, synergies can be a good thing for a list 
But do you not think it can also be a bad thing where you almost are like a one-trick pony? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, if you've... I think where you've got synergy that's a bad thing, people call it jank, don't they? Um, So you've got, you know, you've got... um, If you've got a one-trick that your list can do, um, and that list is... um, And that trick is obvious, then a good opponent is going to spot that and isn't going to fly into your trick. Um, So, like, um, I think that the difference between, like, kind of jank and synergy is that um, synergy is something that's quite easy to pull off um, and isn't dependent on a single piece in your list. Um, so, like, as an example, another scum list, the one that's been flying around, which is, um, oh, what's his name in the Hawk? Torquil Mux plus Seavor plus a bunch of low initiative, high red dice generics, um, be they um, Kirax fighters or something else. Um, and the synergy there is that Seavor takes your tokens away, Torkoal makes your initiative zero, and then it doesn't matter what your low initiative pilots are because they're all shooting before the thing that's initiative zero. Um, and that, to me, is a list that's got really good synergy, and it isn't really jank. It might feel like it when it hits you, and it's hard to avoid. That's the thing. It's really hard to avoid that in the first turn because, you know, Mox is flying in with a massive 180-degree arc something that's in it is going to get reduced down to initiative zero and then everything else is going to shoot that thing um and that to me is a really good synergistic list i think the other thing and just touching back on what you were talking about there um is that if if you synergize your list too much and you make it too many moving parts in it a couple of things happen or have happened to me in the past i should say one is that you forget some of your triggers, so the moving parts don't all work properly, um, so something fails. Or the other thing is, you know, everything in your list is hanging on you know, like a four hit point behind two green dice support ship, and somebody spots that that's the linchpin of your list. So, like, if you've got AP5, for example, in your list, carrying Leia or something, and everything in your list relies on the coordinate from AP5 and Leia's ability. Um, then you know a good player will just cruise in and nuke that ship off the board in the first turn of engage, um, and then laugh as your entire synergy falls apart because it can't do anything. Mm. Yeah, a bit like the Bob Elite fan. You delete Elite, and then the rest of the list kind of starts falling apart. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean if you can spot the, that, I mean that's a, a probably a topic for another day. But it's like identifying the the target priority in a list. Um, and I think that was one of the things Gary McDowell talked about, about the list he flew at Cork that I, I flew at Bristol, was he said one of the reasons he built the list the way he did was just to make target priority different. And I guess that's another thing you can think about when you're building a list is, you know, if I've got 150 points piled into one big ship and then a couple of Z95s or something flying around after it, um, then, you know, people are going to know what ship they're going to want to go after and what they're going to try and, you know, where they're going to try and get their points. Well, I think that's one of the issues with some of the old good first edition ships is they got pointed into oblivion, so they're too expensive. So like Dash, still a really good chassis, still a really good dial, um, still got loads going for him, but unfortunately it costs about 140 points to put him on the board properly, uh, so nobody's going to do that. I mean, would you would you recommend anything to avoid whilst building a character massively? So say say you're new, you're starting up, you've bought a few ships, you know, what what is it that you really need to avoid when list building? 
obviously yeah. you've touched on one same obviously Braylon Stram don't don't be putting too many upgrades on there and building them up too much but is there anything else people need to avoid I, I think that's the, the main one is not filling every slot just because you can um, you know because it's got a slot on it you want to put something in it I think the uh, the the world's runner up list and Dan Taylor's list was a a really good indicator that sometimes just having another gun on the board instead of spending points and upgrades is a good thing because he could have easily taken the Z95 bandit out and put, you know, an R2 unit here or a cannon there or, you know, added a few more bits and bobs to Jake Farrell in his list. Um, but he didn't. He stripped it all right back down again. So was, he had five ships. The only upgrades he had was crack shots. Um, and he was, you know, still running, at, I think, 199 points or something. Um, and the fact that he had all of those extra ships was just made the list more of a threat because he was able to block and spread his arcs out and things like that. Um, so I think, yeah, the, I think the main thing is not to be tempted to fill upgrade slots just because you feel like it. Um, have you got anything that you would warn people off doing when they're list building? Um, I mean, I, I feel at the moment like that that list building is less of a part of the game uh, than, than what it was in 1.0. Um, I, I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it's a weird one. Um, so I think it's no one can break the game, which I'm happy about. You know, there's not one list what everyone's going to, like Ghost Fen or whatever, which is good. So it feels like everything's viable now, or, well, almost everything. So, um, you know, I... I think when you're building, build it and then try it and try it for a few games as well. Not just put it on the table once. If someone beats you with it and go, oh, well, that's it. That, that's useless. Do you know, try it for a good few games because it might just be that you're not, you know, and then tweak it. You know, if it's something you yeah. really enjoy flying. Um, I know yourself, obviously, you've you've put lists on the board before now. Flo- and as have I, flown them, gone, oh, I've been smashed two games on the row here, but then changed one upgrade, and then it's the list has been a completely different list. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point, and I think it's important to fly against different things, so like, don't just repeatedly smash your head against the same list if it's completely outperforming you. Um, or, or, you know, and, and as you say, changing one or two upgrades here or there is probably a better approach, because you know, it might be that you lost because the thing that you played your first game against was um, like uh, beat you at the list building stage. Um, so, like, you know, if you imagine in your first game, you've bought a, a bulk lot of ships and you've decided that you want to fly a TIE Swarm and then, you know, you stick yourself down opposite and somebody's put a trajectory simulator ship with proton bombs um, and you've no idea what's going to happen and it goes really badly for you. You might just not know. Just, you know, say to your mate, you know, can you fly something else so I can try this out against something that's not just going to take me off the board in 15 minutes um, and, and give it a, a few more turns out? Because it could be the list, it could be your rock placement, it could be your turn zero, it could be any number of things that have turned that thing against you or, you know, made, made that game difficult for you to win. Because, um, I mean, I, I was just thinking one of the things that I wanted to say about list building is there's some things that you want to achieve with your list so, like, you win a game by throwing more red dice than the other person or more effective red dice, I should say, rather than sheer number of red dice. So things like 
um, upgrades like Howl Runner, um, who gives rerolls and makes the, the TIE Swarm hyper-accurate, or Sinker that does the same thing for the Republic Swarms. Getting access to those double-modded attacks, however you do it, getting some really accurate guns in there, and the cheaper you can do that, the better. Um, having more health than the other person is also a really good one. Um, so one of the things that I see people talking about is, um, you know, if you can if you can get yourself extra health or extra hull, whether it's through regen and shields for the for the value of those, you know, being able to change the dynamic of how your opponent has to score points off you, um, whether that is you know spending three four points on a hull upgrade, or whether it's you know buying something that gives you an action that enables you to do an evade action or something like that, even if you're in a bad spot like, you know, Chopper or several different iterations of Chopper, actually. Um, all of these things that you can do to just increase the survivability of your list. So two things. First of all is get access to accurate shots because a target lock focus shot is much better than a single modded shot. Um, but then also getting things in there that will help you to stay alive as well. Mm. I mean, I'd say pretty much every ship in the game is viable, probably apart from the Jumpmaster. <laughs> hey, top eight at Bristol, mate. Top eight at Bristol. <laughs> Fluke. Um, no, but I mean, if you if you want to build around your one ship, obviously is you've got to look at that ship as well and decide what is it. Is it a support ship? Is it a hammer? Is it you know a flanker? You know, figure out what that ship actually does and what it's there for. Because there's no point in getting a support ship and trying to use it as a hammer to ram it down people's throats because it's just going to get annihilated, you know. So think yeah. about what you what ship is your favourite ship and what it actually does and what it's in the game for, um, not what you want to use it for. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the things is there's some ships that are really good at kind of having multi roles, so you can stick them all on the board and see how the opponent deploys and how the game pans out before you decide which one's going to be your flanker, which one's going to be your hammer, which one's going to be your anvil. I think that's one of the reasons why the Jedi are so popular at the moment, because they're pretty interchangeable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can do a lot of different roles with a Jedi. Um, I'm certainly finding that out at the moment, and I think a lot of players have picked up on it, because you go to a tournament at the minute, and it is... I was, wouldn't quite say wall-to-wall -wall Galactic Republic, but it's certainly very popular between them and the Imperial Aces or the Imperials. But, you know, if you find a good ship, you find a good piece and you're enjoying flying them. And let's make no bones about it, Jedi are great fun to fly around the place. You know, it feels good doing double reposition for the person doing it, but it feels bad for the person you're doing it to. Um, oh, yeah. you know, we've played a few games, haven't we? Where you know I've been moving everything after you with double re uh, double pre move repositions on two of the ships, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I can't shoot you unless you let me, um, which isn't a great experience. But it's great fun to be on the on the positive side of it. But you've got to you've got to acknowledge that that's not necessarily the best experience for your opponents. Yeah, yeah, that's that definitely the case. I hate yeah. that. <laughs> I, th I think I think they're definitely the Marmite ships, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like you say, though, you know, if you fly, if you're the one flying them, you know, then fair enough. It's fun because you you diving and dodging about the place. It's great, but yeah, when you've got a swarm coming at you and they can't get a single shot off, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, and th there's been other ships that have been the same. So you know, people, and and, and we were talking about people 
um, taking their favourite ships and you know building lists around them. And I mean, and and lists being competitive. I mean, if you look at like Suntir Fell, there are some incredibly good players who, for their entire career as an X-wing player, have had Suntir Fell in the list. So, like in the UK, Dale Cromwell in America, um, Duncan Howard have both done incredibly well, and their list. Ba- the list builder basically starts with right. I'm putting Suntir, and then I'll think about some other stuff that I can put in with him. What how, you know? How do I make him better? Um, and both of those players have done very, very well. So you know, saying finding a ship that's great fun to fly or that you really enjoy flying and building a list doesn't necessarily mean it won't be competitive. Um, it can be incredibly competitive if you pick the right ship or the right combo. Or you just get loads and loads of reps in with your favorite list. You know, if you're really, really good with a list and you've got 100 reps in with it, it doesn't matter if it's amazing or crap or, you know, some jank that you've made up just because you couldn't think of anything else to fly. If you've flown that list 100 times, you know, um, one of the Sith takers, Justin Reed, who flies three X-Wings, he flies Trench Run all the time. And he wins an awful lot of games just because he knows exactly how that list ticks. Um, and he beats players who just fly into the X-Wings. They're like, oh, they're only X-Wings. I'll beat this. And then, you know, he torps them off the board before they get a chance to do anything, and they wonder what's happened. Um, so, you know, find a list or build a list, fly it, and see if you like it. Yeah. You, you and Far springs to mind with that one, uh, with his triple silencer list. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's, he just flies silencers all the time. Everyone's saying first order's terrible. Um, he's proof that they're not... <laughs> You know, yeah. so yeah, um, okay then. Well, that's enough from us. Um, we've had a bit of a chat. Well, it's more we went wider on the lists and list synergies and things like that, but still, you know, building around your favorite ship still kind of got in there. Um, so all that's left to say is uh, goodbye from me and goodbye from Rich. Goodbye till the next time on the Sith Takers Snapshots podcast. Ta-da. <laughs>